Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Broke and Ambitious with me, Francis Keaton, where I chat to a professional creative about how they got into the arts and how they managed to survive. We will be talking day jobs, good ones, bad ones, and the downright weird ones. And we'll be talking about how to stay creative on the side and any money-saving tips. My first guest is actor Luke Ireland. Luke has worked as an actor for 15 years in TV, film and theatre. He's also worked on the stand-up comedy circuit, plus TV sketches with Alan Carr and Tony Law. You might have seen him in music videos for The 1975, Dirty Goods and Big Heath, or in the recent Talk More commercial. Here is my conversation with Luke Ireland. Hello Luke, welcome, good evening. Hello, Francis Keaton. Can yeah. I call you Francis or Frankie or FK or F to the snizzle bizzle? Let's stick with Francis. How are you today? Um, pretty good, considering the terms. Um, we're in <laughs> lockdown. I'm in a studio which is smaller than a shoebox. Are you excited to be talking about your career? Yeah, it's been an illustrious one. 15 years of pure bliss. <laughs> Wonderful. How did you first get into acting? I was a hooker. Uh, no, sorry. Were you always a boisterous child? <clears throat> yes. Hyperactive, to say the least, but definitely rewarded for my cheekiness, so that was my weapon of choice. <laughs> my dad was a musician and a fantastic storyteller. He used to work a room like no one's business. <laughs> I watched that from a very young age, and that, that was very, um, very attractive, and I thought, oh, I want to do that. I watched the film Police Academy, mm. and there's an impression. Michael, what is his last name? He did a lot of impressions, so I started mimicking his impressions. I thought they were incredible. And then I would just start mimicking my dad's friends, and they'd get really angry with me. And my dad would find it really funny. So I just that kind of got me hooked after that. I see. So being a show-off, being a mimic, you're pretty good at impressions, actually. You're still good at mimicking people. Care to? Uh, not, not bad. Give us a give us a whirl. What have you heard? <sighs> You see, when Peter Jackson approached me, he said, I want, you to, I want you to be a wizard. And I said to him, I'm not a wizard, but I'm acting as if I'm a wizard. You shall not be. Very good. Yeah. Lovely. Who's that? Was that Judy Dent? <laughs> Gandalf the Grey. Now, you trained at Questers Theatre in Ealing, is that correct? I did two years there. It was glorious. I still stay in touch with the students I train with. So this was around, wow... 18 years ago now. I was really lucky. I had a fantastic group of people. I was definitely not the most naturally gifted actor. I was the idiot, basically. I'd always play the village idiot. That was one of the hardest things to take myself seriously, I think. Mm. It's always being a bit of a... So show, showing a off has never been a problem, but the taking yourself seriously and finding the truth of the performance is what you worked on. Yeah, exactly. School. And I started realising that when I wasn't pleasing people all the time, I realised I was actually learning something. What about comedy? It wasn't until I was about 28. I met a, a fellow tall, lanky man. And we hit it off. And you were a duo known as Frost and Island. You... Yeah, we did the circuit a few years. We did Edinburgh, massive flop. So we basically took a, a two-man show to Edinburgh with a, a slot at the Gilded Balloon. It wasn't the best slot at all. That's why we had discount. I mean, doing comedy at half past one and you, and you were doing an adult show and your foot full. Half past one p.m. in, in the, the afternoon. afternoon. Yes. Oh no. Terrible slot for comedy, especially with adult humour, which we're doing. <laughs> and our footfall was old people and children so we got no audience whatsoever 
<laughs> and we were marketing a show ourselves. We had no producers. I uh, suppose most people who would enjoy that would probably just be surfacing to have some breakfast at that time, wouldn't they? It was desolation. Okay, that's your journey into acting. So you, you went to Questers, you started working as a professional actor, congratulations. Thank you. But at the same time, you were living in London and you must have had quite a lot of day jobs. Yeah, a lot of day jobs. Let's start with your worst day job. Worst day job, I say day job more of a night job. I um, I was a cocktail barman. And this one event, we literally had about a thousand guests and there was only two cocktail barmen, me and another guy. There should have been five, but everyone <gasps> called in sick. We had to carry on. We're making five to six different cocktails, which take a long time. Yeah. We've got a queue of people. The event's finished. They're all there, all just before the event. And people were screaming, shouting at us the whole time. And it was so stressful, I started bending down under the table, drinking martinis, just, oh. just to cope with the stress. And then I remember it was just horrible. It was, they were the one to lynch us, because we weren't making drinks quick enough. And then the quality wasn't there, so they started. And there was a really arrogant, horrific TV presenter there. But he was such an arsehole to me, I spiked his drink, just made it really strong and horrible. And then he he walked off and drank it, and he went... <coughs> as he walked off, he gave me a dirty look, and I smiled at him. Waiting in general is horrendous. And, mm. and I think, yeah, I've got such a thing about people's manners. If you're rude to me, I'm really bad with that. And I'm clumsy, so I'm really not cut out for that. I've been a cafe waitress and a bar bar lady, but I wasn't trusted. You're a bar lady? I don't know what was the terminology. Bar maid? Bar maid, yeah, but A bar maid. lady, makes, that makes it sound a little bit sleazy. Do you, do no, you sit, I think do you it makes... sit there, like, kind of pulling the bitters? Well, the thing is, I didn't, I didn't pull anything because they wouldn't let me make any of the drinks. Thank I wasn't God. trusted with that, but I was delivering the drinks to people. Yeah, and I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think if, if everyone's been in the service industry, you, you just have a new respect for people and, and you're humble and I, I definitely am way, I'm much more aware with service staff. I try and be nice to them. One, because I want to be nice and kind because that, that, that makes their night because mm-hmm. it made my night when people were kind to me. Yeah. And two, I'm scared in case they spit in my food or do horrible things to it. Exactly. And they're probably all actors, aren't they, really? Yeah. Now, we're going to move on to your best day job. Best day job? I, I got this real touch of a job. It's for an agency called World Telecom, and I was on ridiculous money for, for doing nothing. I was agency staff, so I could choose when I want to work, and I had to answer phone calls for international calling cards. I didn't know what I was doing. Can I just ask, what international calling cards what you got a call from a card what does that mean so this was like you know this was we're talking to almost 20 years ago now yeah so to call international you t- you type in this card uh, in a phone box a card yeah and this gives you cheap phone calls to for example africa asia you type in numbers on a card yeah it's your right, card okay. and then you get cheap you have a cheap phone call oh I see. it costs lots of money to, to call why abroad. were you calling them they're called i was there to set up the cards so they call me oh i see okay but they never used to call so I basically answered about five phone calls a day and I got paid really well. So I'd sit at my desk eating or go for a cigarette break, number one. And I would just get a reoccurring phone call from a woman in Thailand who would ask me the size of my penis. Why? Because she was a pervert. What an absolutely ludicrous business arrangement this is. No, because so, it was a free free phone number. People who are bored or a little bit kind of lonely would call up just to use it to speak to someone. So she would call literally five times a day. We'd all, we'd all get her, and she'd go, "Hello." Don't do the accent. I won't do the accent. Good. But she'd go, "You sound nice," and I was like, "Hello, can I put through your card Don't number?" Don't say the business. And and then she she would say, 
how big is your willy? And um, and I'd say it's uh, it's a good size. And then we'll put on loudspeaker and we'll all listen in. Could you tell from the from the timbre of her voice if she was elderly or young? Um, she sounded quite young. Really fruitful. You, oh, you wish. I think a lot of um, actors and, and creatives in general will do agency work. I've done temping work, for example. Well done. And you, <laughs> thank you. Was that after you're a lady maid? Yeah, it's good because you do get good money. But you know, you always know that the agency is getting more money and they're not paying you. You yeah. just wish that you were getting it all directly. It plays directly. in your mind. You can't sleep yeah. at night. You're yeah. like, I'm doing the all you've done, agency person, is set this arrangement up. I'm the one turning up every day and putting up with this office nonsense. Exactly. And then they're laughing all the way to the bank on your time. Okay, well, that's a fantastic best day job to start off the podcast series with. Very unique. I'm sad that the company's in liquidation, otherwise I would try and get it myself. I'm still trying to set the company back up. <laughs> okay, let's move on to weirdest day job. I worked as a scare actor for around five years of my life, which I can never get back. Um, it seemed like a good idea. Sorry, can we just clarify a scare actor for those who don't know? So, tourist attractions, exhibits... People that jump out and go, Um, that was me. Um, I fit in quite nicely because I'm quite manic. I can move fast and brisk like an antelope. Twitch muscles. But also, and I'm quite tall. So intimidating. Let's get back on track. So you were a scare actor at a popular London attraction. Underground? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a shithole. Paint the picture. It was dangerous. It was smelly. It was dark. But it paid well. And I'm with other actors as well. So you're having a a laugh. The crew I work with were just such funny, crazy people. So it was like a family. Um, It's the kind of job you could actually turn up hungover and tired. And that serves your performance as a zombie. Mm, Which I suppose was, and still is, 97% of your your daily... Yeah, pretty much. Hungover and tired. Yeah, yeah. I think someone was seeing a running theme here called uh, My Old Friend Hedonism. Um, <laughs> definitely, that's been a part of my life. Which that should be the name of your autobiography. I'm trying. I was already out. Yeah, I've uh, two people have bought it. My nan and my uncle, who hates me. So yes, I was about 28. I was very hedonistic. I turned up to work once in such a state after a party, no sleep. Went into work. I was like, oh my god, you look terrible. Are you okay? So everyone kind of looked after me. It was really sweet. And I said, I'm fine. And I had some cranberry juice. I drank a litre of it because I thought that would be kind of make me feel better. A litre? A litre of cranberry juice, yeah. How quickly did you drink the litre? Was it over a period of time? Okay, no, I downed it literally oh. in about, I'd say, three or four minutes. I, I never realised I was never much of a carton reader. <laughs> That'll I, go on the back of the autobiography. <laughs> my hedonistic days. I was yeah. never much of a carton reader. It's true. So I drank that, went into my section. Section five was the sewers. In the scare attraction. What was the, what was the area like? It was long. It was dirty. It was dusty. It was scary. Lots of noise. I was there with another friend, and then the customers started walking up. I was hiding behind an oil drum, like you do. And as I jumped out with this mask on, I started retching, and I realised how sick I felt. So I lifted up my mask, and I just started projectile vomiting, red vomit, cranberry juice, and all the customers thought it was part of the show. And oh I, and I was like, <laughs> it was like The Exorcist. And, and, and then there's an American dude who started applauding, going, dude, this is incredible. 
And he started clapping, thinking it was part of the show. And I, <laughs> I, I ran off under the orb drum and started finishing myself off, as in throwing up. I wasn't touching myself. No. I was over vomiting. That's no. just gross. No. And my mate was actually crying so hard he fell fell to his knees. And uh, we didn't scare anyone. They were just <laughs> applauding us for my projectile vomit. That's so bad. Did you spray anyone in the face? No. But an old man did actually walk into a wall and crush his glasses. We felt really sorry for him. What, because of the vomit gate? No, just he got lost. Separate story? Separate story. Right. (laughs) Okay, well, that's very tragic, but I couldn't care less because it doesn't apply to my podcast. So, I actually feel really sad for that man. His glasses crushed. It's okay. Okay. Were you fired after this incident? No, because it was a cover-up. No one realised. Everyone looked after me. It's fine. Did anyone clear up the mess? No, to this day it's still be there because the floor was all kind of concrete, dusty and stuff, so it just kind of absorbed into the filth of the floor. How foul. It was like an underground and it was all built out and it was so dusty and damp that it smelt weird anyway, so no one even noticed that. There's worse things went on than my vomit. So it was an air freshener, if anything? I think so. With all of these day jobs that you have to go to, how do you stay creative on the side? That's a good question. Watch films. I think just, just the things that you want to do. What kind of actor do you want to be? Just try and emulate people. I'm not saying copy them, but just no. watch their work and, yeah. and getting, stay inspired. Are you good at watching films? Yeah. Because I'm not. I get distracted by my phone all the time. We well, just put, put it down. It's I, you're a millennial, that's why. Yeah, I'm old school. I'm 79. Okay. You're 79? You look fantastic. Born in 79. Oh, sorry. Yeah, going back to what your last question, thank you for interjecting, Francis. Writing a little bit, even if it's a short story or do some skits or some sketches, I think massively collaborate. Mm. Um, you don't, it doesn't have to be always be paid. If you're just starting out, get that showreel together. Uh, look online, there's so many networking channels now on Facebook and all these different places for like-minded people who are hungry as well. Any to recommend? Uh, Actors UK. And there's that, filmmakers in London, isn't there? Yeah. Filmmakers London. Uh, yeah. There's so many. Just 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 type in actors groups on Facebook, and you'll find them. I did that for a while, and I made so many short films and stuff, and you and you like-minded people, and mm. built a show off that. So. They do they do post a lot of castings in there yeah. actually. And in terms of you being creative, you obviously do comedy. If someone wanted to start out doing a bit of stand-up, that's listening, what would you recommend? How would they start doing that? I would recommend just be yourself. What makes you laugh? What's your style? You'll find that out. It's, all, it's so personal. Mm-hmm. And just get a solid five minutes. Be well rehearsed. Go and test out some free nights. Lion's Den. Cavendish Arms. Comedy versions of the Cavendish Comedy versions, Arms. Yeah, just get out on the circuit. There's so many places who just yep. you can always get slots. There's Lost Cabaret at the Betsy Trotwood, which is more of a surreal... More surreal right? clowning. But I yeah. find, yeah, just, just getting out there and it will give you confidence as, as a performer. I think comedy for me made me realise, made me a better actor because I took more risks and, and I trusted myself more. I would I would second that completely. I started doing stand-up recently and it really does scare you. You take a risk, don't you? Yeah, and it's brilliant. Because yeah. if you're not getting those auditions, those opportunities regularly, then it's a really good opportunity to make you afraid and you get through it. Yeah. And then when you do get an acting job... If you're scared, you just think, well, it's not as scary as speaking my own material on stage for five yeah, minutes in front of strangers. It's extremely personal, isn't mm. it? And it's one of those things, but it's a trust game. That's what acting is. You have to trust yourself. Yeah. That's to be done. Thank you for that, Luke. It's lovely. Do you have any money-saving tips for our listeners? Yeah, live with your parents as long as you can. <laughs> uh, maybe take your grand out for a walk. She'll give you five quid. No, sorry. Is a kidney? Brilliant. Help me, Francis, with this. Well, if you're an actor, not many people know about this, if you're on Spotlight then they do have lots of discounts on the site, don't they? Which we use for our gym. 
Yeah. We have a massive discount from Spotlight, which I had no idea about. Very, very, very true. Actually, you just gave me an idea there. My money-saving tip here, if you're a struggling creative, would be to go to farmers markets um, just before they close. So turn up around, they close usually about four or five. Show up about half an hour before they close. Everything's half price. Wow. Everything gets gets dropped in price. How much would a focaccia be? Focaccia, you're looking at normally around £2.50. You can get it for a quid or 50p. <gasps> there you go, guys. Focaccia coming at you. You heard it here first. Thank you so much, Luke. And finally, what would your absolute dream acting job be? Something psychological. Maybe like a detective with a different side to him. Maybe something a little bit like psychotic or dark or some with humour. Is there a role that exists that you would be similar to? True Detective. True Detective, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yes. that, that kind of thing. I, I think I think I think would be right up my street. It'd be fantastic. Luke, thank you so much for being the first ever guest on Broken Ambitious and sharing your tips and uh, anecdotes. Thank well, you. it's an absolute pleasure. Um, am I the first guest? Yeah. Oh, is that because you didn't know any friends? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Do you want a cup of tea? Yeah, I'd love one. Thank you. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,